Yeah. Three C's, my fi- Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No BS Season 3, Episode 18. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. What a great time to be back. A lot of stuff happened this past weekend, and we're getting ready for the next part of this weekend. But before we get down to business, let me go to John. John, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'll be honest, man. Yes! 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 You got scared. You thought Isaiah popped on. <laughs> I thought it was somehow Callum doing like a Matrix type of Avengers glitch. No, we were uh, we're beyond busy, but uh, it's glad that it's a uh, football season, and uh, we'll just keep it going. And by the way, folks, Isaiah drank expired coffee creamer, and he was well regretting that. So. There he is now, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah, welcome to tonight's program. How are you doing tonight? What's up, guys? Uh, I have had, like, the worst luck ever, man. Like, the last two hours have been absolutely rough. Uh, Not just, like, for me and my family. Um, You know, I was, you know, in the toilet for a long period of time. I, I drank some expired expired uh coffee cream with my coffee today i didn't know it was expired because like i was telling trevor you know i use my nose i don't read the labels i smelled stuff before and it smelled great and i poured it in and then you know i drank it then realized oh my god my stomach is cramping up wonder why check the label on the coffee cream and voila it is expired so i had that episode and then literally after i get out of the bathroom what happens next my Power literally flicked, it's gone goodbye. And now I had to spend the last 10 minutes running to McDonald's so I could use the Wi Fi. I'm literally standing outside of McDonald's right now. I'm about to go inside and order something so I don't go get kicked out. But uh, it's great to see you guys. You know, we got a lot of great topics to talk about tonight on No BS. And a uh, shout out to my guy, Austin Reeves from the Lakers, my one of my favorite offseason signings for the Lakers, young kid. Who bought out today in a preseason game? All right, Isaiah. Well, we don't know if you're going to say anything outlandish about ordering your food. So, all I can picture is the time you order pina colada, but maybe it's not going to happen tonight to some weird extent from some weird food ordering that you can order off a McDonald's menu that we'd be like, why are you ordering that? <laughs> but, gentlemen, let's dive into tonight's topics. We got some NFL, <laughs> college football. I know that's going to take majority of our time because the NFL topic is really, I should say topics are really heavy hitters. I know, I think everyone in the news has seen about it, but the Urban Meyer situation with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the actions that he took place at his restaurants and all that stuff. I won't go into full details. Look up in the story of what's going on, but I want to get some of your reactions and takes to this. So, I'll go to John, like, 
when you saw this come out for Urban Meyer and all the stuff that he's been going through this season, you know, how would you explain it? Like you're, you're a player and you realize your coach is not practicing what he's preaching. You know, Urban Meyer is a disciplined kind of guy and all that stuff, but then he goes out and does that type of action. Like what, what do you do as a player? Like, do you take his lead or do you just go to your team leaders and just like say, we can't trust this guy anymore. Like, what do you got to do? Like, I believe a broadcaster or somebody said this. Now you're your own boss. You're your own leader. Because now, I know this sounds corny, but we talk about in sports of how some guys, I always talk about this in different fields, how some guys don't have that parental figure or anything like that. And so maybe your head coach is their only option. We've seen that in football. And then you say, okay, marriage, sanity of marriage doesn't matter. Because you can just, oh, it's just hanging out with the boys. Like, this is the problem, though, Trevor, is that as I'm scrolling through social media, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, people were defending him. And it's like, number one, let's say this never had. If you're a wedding, would this be as much of an issue? Maybe not as much. But the fact of the matter is, dude, you're married and you're having a woman dance on top of you. Come on. Like, that's uh, that on top of you're literally not um, leaving on the plane with your team after you lose in Ohio. Obviously, we knew the ironic state, Joe Burrow. You lost against Joe Burrow. And, you didn't believe in Joe Burrow at Ohio. It's just I didn't. First of all, there's reports saying that literally when Urban Meyer left the room, players were laughing at him. You can't face that. Like it doesn't matter. Like when you say, "Oh, I should have been better." If you have your owner, who's the most quietest person in the NFL, who I don't have no idea what his voice sounds like. I've never heard him speak. To make a statement that he did for it to be posted on all the social media, I wouldn't believe him on anything. I think he should. And all this is, I feel bad for like for like Trevor because you're looking for your head coach for guidance, who has experience in college football, and to bring talents to or or Myra got college players to get them prepared and ready ready for the NFL. And it, to me, it's it's really kind of a unfortunate situation. It, it makes me mad for the people that are defending Urban. We all make mistakes, and that's fine. But number one, you're married. Like, I don't understand why this is such a hard concept for people to get. Like, if you're – we'll don't have to get into all that other stuff. But to me, it, the one thing that bothers me is that people were defending Urban Meyer. And so at this point, if your players are laughing at you and you can't, you can't stand up and look at your players in the face, you're gone. You're screwed. I'm, I'm sorry, but this – this is something that's something that would only happen to the Jaguars. And like, I don't know what else to say, man. It just it gets me really mad. You know, John, I think it's going to be interesting when the Jaguars go on a bye week when he says, don't do something stupid when this is going oh. to <laughs> resurface in the have. locker room. It's like, you've done something stupid and we weren't you even on a bye week. on your wife almost in the end. Oh, don't do something. And you told Trevor, be careful on your honeymoon in Vegas. When you're the person that's nearly like, or whatever you want to call it, cheated on your wife in some way, shape, or form. So it's like how you can't believe what Urban Meyer is going to say anymore. Like, Trevor, if I'm like, I know I'm like, I'm not perfect, but if I'm preaching what I'm preaching on my network and behind the scenes, I'm going to strip clubs, I'm doing all these things. Then you're like, okay, well, what is this guy really about? And I think that's a question the players are going to have to answer themselves. I guess it would be different if he won the football game where it's like, oh, like we're going to stay in Columbus a little bit or like stay in Ohio a little bit longer and stuff like that because they won a football game. You know, you can fly out, you know, leave Ohio on a Friday. That's completely fine because it was a Thursday night football game. 
you know, you can take a little bit of time off, but you lost, but you choose not to go back with your team, but you have the power to delay that and just like say, we're just not going to leave until Friday. I'm going to spend time with family. Like you could do that as a coach, but that didn't happen. (laughs) Think about how much money they paid or remind to give them full control. I said this since before this, whatever incident you want to call it. I said that he's not a good fit. He, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't know him as a guy, so I don't really like credit. I don't know him, so I don't. But just on the forefronts of, let's say this never happened, you, he wasn't truly prepared for the NFL. How you approach your staffing with Charlie Strong, one guy you hired 24 hours later, you fired him. Another guy, like guys that you're hiring just aren't NFL guys. They're not just non-NFL ready. You'd like Trevor, if you, if you hired me, did you, your supervisor, supervisor job. And then you hired Isaiah and somebody else. It's just, we're not trained and prepared for that. It's just, it wasn't a good fit from the start. Remember, Isaiah, you said the Jaguars are winning the AC South. How does that look after this past week? Just want to make sure you're doing okay on that pick, Isaiah. And now they have the Titans coming up. The team, the Titans are like, you could say, playoff caliber team, in and out. They have elite offensive weapons from the running back to the wide receiving core and their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. But now you're approaching to like 0-5 at this rate, and you have this on top of all the other stuff that you have. How do you even turn around something like that, John? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, Urban Meyer, in his tenure of, like, his coaching career, you know, 85%, you know, win rate, clear across the board. He has an experience going – for like going 0 and 4 in his entire career, probably. So, how does a coach, even like who's so used to winning, now going into losing almost five games straight, possibly now? Like, how do you even cope with something like that, being a coach that wins so much and now you're just losing left and right? To me, though, if I'm, a, it's hard to do that. But if you're a guy, this is the exact opposite of the LeBron situation. LeBron knew what he was getting to in LA in the 2020 off or 2019 offseason, I believe. Well, you know, this team is going to be rebuilding. I'm here for the long run. He knew that and he was truly committed. Urban Mar on the other hand in Jacksonville, yeah, he said he was doing this. And but was is he really a leader? Was he really committed? Is he he could say he's committed. When you're getting all these Twitter likes and comments where we say you're doing great, but like since you're push comes to show, you're approaching 0-5, a Tennessee team who folks just lost against the Jets, who the quarterback had a worse three-game start to his career, worse than Josh Rosen's first three games of his career. We know how that worked out. So Tennessee, I, I, I get it. Obviously, Tennessee's going to win that football game. But Tennessee beat Seattle in overtime, and then lost against Zach Wilson, the Jets in overtime. So – I really feel bad for Trevor Lawrence here. This is getting the short end of the stick on this one, Trevor. And how do you like recover from it? Because let's say regardless, he's done after the season. I, I just don't see how you come back from this. Let's say even if you you can forgive, I we all believe in that because we all make mistakes. With that being said, though, just we can forgive and forget or forgive, but you, sometimes you don't forget. But then you also just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you have to trust him. Doesn't mean you have to take him seriously. So in this case, like Meyer. What do you do? And uh, I really, I, as much as I've been like a fan of certain teams, but I really feel bad for Trevor. This really sucks. If your first year head coach gets fired, and now what do you do? You're in rebuild 2.0, even though you're still technically rebuilding. Yeah, and even keep in mind, it's like 
All they have to do is win one game. Like, win two games, you did better than last year, to be honest with you, John. It's not that much harder to make an easy improvement. I know the Jaguars are improving each week. Let's let's be honest. Like, they played a close one in, with the Bengals and stuff like that. They're making improvements, but they need to get that dub. They need to close it out. They have to play solid four quarters of football. Though Urban Meyer has made, you know, not the best decisions in the media, saying comparing it to playing Alabama every week. The NFL is nothing like college football. Let's, let's just put that on across the board. Like, NFL, you have players that have been in the league for 20-plus years, and you can easily build a dynasty that lasts a decade. Versus college football, a player may only be there for three years before they decide to go to the NFL draft, and now you have to look for their replacement. It's just like the NFL, you can easily build a super team, and you're fine. Versus college, it's like, I am locked to this roster, so if they have – academic issues get trouble outside of the place like i can't really replace that athlete and go out saying well it's week you know five i lost my quarterback i just can't go around on a college campus saying oh you just threw like a, a paper i guess a paper ball in a trash can now you're new you're my new starting quarterback like it doesn't work like that like you can do in the nfl you know if i may add one more thing that the problem is is that Urban Meyer is not a great offensive play car in the end. Facing us, I've been four games. The fact is, Jacksonville has always been, I guess, a team that is very good with running backs. Maurice Jones, here, you got Leonard Fournette. Now you have James Robinson, Trevor Charles Etienne. He's out for the year. They're not giving him the football enough. And you have a guy like Marvin Jones. So I just don't understand. I'm not saying they were going to go four and one, but when you have guys like Marvin Jones and James Robinson, Trevor Lawrence. There's at least reason you should be uh, competing a lot more. I mean, Trevor Lawrence this season, it's just, it's, he's not good, but I don't blame him at all for the most part. It's going to take some time. Like like you said, you just need to get pieces around him. Like if you put like Trevor Lawrence, let's say, on the Los Angeles Chargers, he probably could have probably have something similar to, you know, Justin Herbert maybe because he has all the talent around him. I wouldn't say, you know, compare it to, but it's like he has the capability to do something like that if he has the right pieces around him. Like You can say a lot about that with a lot of the rookie quarterbacks, but they get the short end of the stick because, A, they're missing a line, or there's not enough talent that they can get something, you know, going. And it's just really them as the weapon. And they're trying to make something happen that's really not there. Like, we'll talk about a little bit later with, you know, Chicago and Justin Fields, like, Trying to figure out that whole, you know, controversy and trying to figure out, you know, why didn't you start him, you know, week one or stuff like that. You know, we'll talk about the Bears later. But, you know, you, you see just in general that if you put, you know, Trevor Lawrence, give him some more time to, you know, get the right pieces around him. I'm sure he's able to put like, you know, a seven win season together or maybe a nine win season, depending what they go up against in that, you know. In their schedule. Can I add one more thing? The problem mm-hmm. with Jacksonville is they've had some pretty decent rosters. I mean, you traded your first round pick from last year to the Panthers. 2018, they were, Blake Bortles was about to take you to a Super Bowl with that stacked team. And so that's when I kind of question once they get the pieces around Trevor Lawrence, if they get a new head coach and GM and everything. How are they going to handle that if they have some type of success? That, to me, is just another question. Mm-hmm. I know Isaiah's been waiting to get in because he's ordered his food. So, Isaiah, I'll go to you with the whole Urban Meyer stuff and you know, get your two cents on it in that sense. 
Well, you're right, Trevor. I did order my food, and I ordered some good stuff here. Oh, I thought it was a Happy Meal. The, uh, the <laughs> donut right here, the McDonald's glazed pool part donut. I mean, it's some good stuff right here here tonight i'm having some i'm having breakfast right here as we you're speak. having breakfast on the show wow okay <laughs> at 30 p.m I'm amazing right but you know about the urban meyer thing first of all um how, how am i gonna put this what he did was bad it was bad um you know you're in a leadership position you're head coach you shouldn't be doing this type of stuff um but i don't think it was a fireball offense. I think that, you know, you can let him ride out the season because I think he's going to be gone eventually, like at the end of the season. I think he's going to either quit because the losing, like too much losing got to him or, you know, the players are just going to rebel against him. Um, I don't think he's going to get fired for this just because like it wasn't, it just wasn't that like it was a bad, bad look. Okay. It was a bad thing that he did, but it wasn't like egregious what he did. Like, so um, I, I don't see him getting fired. Um, as far as, you know, the Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars are concerned, um, I just don't know how you move forward now because you're going to have this distraction throughout the entire season. And for Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, I feel so bad for the kid because, you know, I like the kid a lot. I think that he could be one of the best quarterbacks, you know, of this draft class. And, you know, I even have him on my fantasy team, and he balled out for me. Thank you, Trevor. But, you know, to think about, like, all the stuff that he has to go, go through the first year in the NFL, I mean, it, it's rough, man. It's, it really is rough for, for Trevor Lawrence, and I feel so bad for him. Um, and, you know, for the Jags, you're kind of in a, like, you're in a lose-lose situation because Shad Khan, he gave – Urban Meyer, all this money, he gave Urban Meyer, you know, all this power. If he fires him, you know how much money they have to pay Urban Meyer for him not Actually, to go? Here's the thing. If there, if he violates a certain contract clause, they don't have to pay him anything. Yeah, yeah. If, if he violates, like, a good, a good clause type of stuff, then he won't get any of the money. But, John and Trevor, think about this. You really think that that is going to violate a good clause type of stuff? I mean, players and coaches do that all the time. It's just that Urban Meyer was caught in this situation. So I don't think, you know, he would, like, even – I don't think he would um, get fired for cause for this type of stuff. So if he doesn't get fired for cause, you still have to pay him an excess of $60 million for the next five years not to coach the game of football because Shad Khan gave this man – a six-year, $72 million contract. So you can't pull the plug after just one year. You have to let this ride out because, like I said, you're not going to pay someone $60 million not to coach football for you, plus in addition to the next coach's contract and his coaching staff's contract. Like That's just way too much money. And Shad Khan's got too much pride. He personally wanted to make a big splash hire this offseason, and he wanted to hire Urban Meyer. That was his guy. Everybody in the front office wanted someone different. He was the one, and his son Tony Khan wanted Urban Meyer. They have too much pride to pull the plug on this. So I, I don't see Urban Meyer going anywhere. I think, you know, with all the power they gave him, 
he pretty much runs the football operations department. Yes, they have Trent Baalke, but come on, man. Trent Baalke answers to Urban Meyer. This is Urban Meyer's organization. Urban Meyer can cut whomever he wants. He can, you know, do whatever he wants in this organization. It, it's pretty much – he's pretty much the king of this organization without being the owner of this organization. That's how he, he it is right now for him. So I, I don't see him going anywhere, um, and I honestly see him – probably riding it out for the next two, three years because Shad Khan's not going to fire him because he's going to pay him too much money, not the coach. And also, you know, if the locker room rebels against Urban Meyer, well, guess what? They're just going to get cut because Urban Meyer is technically the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, gentlemen, let, let me just put a hypothetical out there. Let's say Urban Meyer gets fired. What's going to happen to him? Like, is he going to go into back into sports media? Would it, another team try to – like? I know you probably wouldn't get another shot in the NFL, but would a college team try to lurk him out? Or with this controversy that happened, is it just a no-go and his coaching career and coaching days are done afterwards? I want to go to John. Like, what do you think? Like, How about new? Because here's, here's – and this is the thing is now in college you have more power so you can remove the scholarships. But no, I don't. Because even if – this thing didn't happen or did or whatever. The fact is, if the players don't respect you, obviously he's gonna die. Um, but if they don't respect you with the Jaguars, one of the worst teams in the NFL, how are you gonna handle it when you when you have to rebuild a program in college? Well, you don't you don't go like a 12 and 0 and 13 on your first year. You may go like a six and six or a six and seven or a four and eight your first year, then you start to rebuild over time with that college football program. How are you going to handle it in college if you couldn't do it in the NFL? And that kind of presents that what a situation. So I don't think uh, if I'm an organization, NFL or college, he doesn't deserve another job. Isaiah, what about you? Does Urban Meyer deserve another chance if he gets fired after this year with the Jacksonville Jaguars? The key word in that sentence is if. So if he does, where does he land? Does he get another NFL job or does he get another college shot? For me personally, I, don't, I, I will save it after you go, and I'll get to my two cents, but I'll let you go. Well, John, you need to take one thing into consideration. College football teams, especially like teams in the South, like the Alabamas, the Floridas, the Georgia, the LSUs, and me and my guy, Callum McClurg, we were talking about this on the phone last night. This is one of the reasons why he just can't get into college football because a lot of these college football teams, they don't care about, you know, the off-the-field stuff. You could do like the most heinous thing possible, and they still would let you coach on the field as long as you win games. So if Urban Meyer does get, you know, fired, if he does, which I don't see, but if he does get fired, I don't think UC USC would take him because I heard the president is doesn't want to deal with his baggage and deal with his nonsense, which I totally get. But if LSU opens up, and we're going to talk about this later on in the show, but if LSU opens up, which right now it's looking like an inevitability that it will, I think they will because they look at Urban Meyer, you know, he's a winner. He's a big-name coach. He's a winner. He's built programs before he's won national titles. And, heck, this program has shown time and time again they don't, they, they don't care about off-the-field stuff as long as you win. Heck, look at Ed Orgeron. This man literally hid – sexual allegation charges he hid that in his program and he's still coaching at lsu so i i could see him going to lsu if uh the jaguars don't work out 
John, do you want to add anything to it, or would you like me to take my stance on this take? I think that's the sad thing about sports in general is because there really isn't a lot of integrity, I think, with coaches. Yeah, not all coaches are like us. We're just talking about specifically Eric Meyer. But if, if that's the case, then what are the players going to think? If they find out that all this is true and your head coach is still around the coast, I just – I don't know, that bothers me, but I just, I don't think he, did, he should deserve it as well. Because even if you forgive, move on, do all the things Isaiah and you were saying, the players aren't going to respect you. If they don't respect you, they're not going to work hard for you. They're not going to play hard for you. Who knows? Yeah. And on top of that, it's like, it's really hard with Urban Meyer. Like, he's left coaching multiple times. It's like, is he going to be that consistent for your program? Sure. And any kid says, oh, Urban Meyer is going to be at my school coaching. It's like you may still attend that school because it's Urban Meyer. He's won national championships. He's coached Heisman players. Like the list goes on on his accolades about the football stuff. But it's like the off the field stuff is going to start looking at the universities and like saying, do we want that here and being that image at our school with what has just happened? That's what a lot of the universities are going to be sitting and looking at saying, Though he's, a, I would say, a phenomenal football coach and all that stuff. But it's like, if you want that baggage at your university, like I said, how many student athletes are just going to be like saying, yes, I'm going to follow his instructions? Or like, no, this is a complete joke. And he's, he's a former shell what he once was. And he's just there now. Like, he's just a figurehead with a name. And that's all he is at that point. Exactly. You know, with the fact of and everything moving forward. For whether he goes to USC or somewhere else, so I think it's really unfortunate, and that's the thing that that bothers me. But hey, I mean, who really knows? Yeah, we've been on this topic for a little bit too longer than expected, but you know, it's been on the hot topic of the media recently, so we got to cover it a little bit. But let's move on to another NFL topic. We go into our Chicago Bears, and Matt Nagy really has announced that Justin Fields is the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears going forward. Gentlemen, this has been a weird controversy for the Bears. And, like, did you, you know, do you start fields this season or do you let them sit on the bench? Though you have two veteran quarterbacks, I would want to say Nick Foles and Andy Dalton, and let them take the hits and let, you know, fields learn the system. Maybe if you didn't realize you're going to make the playoffs, let them play the second half of the season where it kind of didn't really that matter, so you can get more of those reps. And then the next following season, he's the key starter. Well, guys, what do you think about this, making him the starter almost week five now? Like, should they do this right from the get-go? I'll go to Isaiah. What do you think? Believe it or not, on the, on the, on the face, it seems like a great decision. But – after watching the Bears play for the last two weeks, I think it's a bad decision. I think you should just sit Justin Fields for the rest of the season and just tank the season. Because when you look at the Bears, I mean, this man is literally going to be running for his life for the remainder of the season. This Bears offensive line is so damn trash. And I guarantee you, Elmo, you know, Big Bird, and Oscar from Sesame Street could, could plow through that offensive line and get to the quarterback. I mean, this... This offensive line is a joke. Um, I feel so bad for Justin Fields, what he's going to have to deal with. Plus, you know, Matt Nagy, who knows if he's still going to be calling the plays. Like, I know he gave Bill Lazor the control of the offense, but he's known to take back control of the offense. He's 
done that before. I just think the Bears should just focus on Justin Fields' development, and I think that, you know, they should just not throw him in because I could see this exactly being like a Deshaun Kaiser or a Mitch Trubisky situation where the quarterback is not developed yet. You have to throw him in there because the coach knows he's on the hot seat, so he wants to win. But the offensive line is rubbish and everything else around him is rubbish. And the quarterback gets sacked a lot. He, you know, gets his confidence, you know, jilted. And then he just is never able to recover, just like Sam Darnold was with the New York Jets. So if I'm the Bears, you know, I think I, I know I said that they should start Justin Fields. But I'm going back on it. I don't think they should start Justin Fields. I think that if you're the Bears, you should just focus on the development of Justin Fields because you want this guy here for your franchise for the next 15 years rather than trying to win this season. I just think that it's you're setting up Justin Fields to fail. And, you know, you don't want him to get hurt uh, because the offensive line is so bad, just like Joe Burrow did last year. And, you know, you don't want his confidence to get jilted. So that's that's kind of what I'm worried about with Justin Fields starting. And John, what about you? Do you think, you know, was it the smart decision that make, you know, Fields a starter going forward? Should this done have been like right after preseason? Like what what has Matt Nagy has done at this point? Like good coaching decision, bad coaching decision, lay it to me. Even Patrick Starr could be a better flipping coach than the joke of Matt Nagy with the Bears organization. Justin Fields shouldn't start any games. I am a fan of Fields. I think he can be great in the NFL. Matt Aggie should be ashamed to look at him here. Brian Pace should be ashamed. I mean, my goodness, you tried to take credit for the win last week. You didn't make any offensive play calling, and it really sucks to be Justin Fields because you have a guy like Matt Aggie who at one point said in week four, it could be Nick Foles, it could be Aiden Dolan, or Justin Fields. I mean, my gosh, this guy is just a stupid head coach, and I don't understand like, why after this year, Chicago would give him a chance? I mean, I think Justin Fields can be their guy moving forward. So I will repeat this. I know other people will repeat it. If Justin Fields is going to be the guy for the Chicago Bears envision what success could look like with Justin Fields, that same image cannot have Matt Aggie and Brian Pace. Because the fact is, with Matt Aggie, you will not win football games. You won't win anything. And so I, I, I'm happy for Justin Fields starting – but like I say, it's really not the best thing for him right now just because, like like Isaiah said, terrible offensive line. You kind of ruined the prime of that defense. You may not be able to keep Allen Robinson, arguably the most underrated receiver in the NFL, on the Chicago Bears after this season. Me, after this season. So it's, I, I feel bad for Justin Fields because you really have the potential. But you don't have the right head coach or GM. It's like they could have made you know Justin Fields, I wouldn't say – to a degree of a Patrick Mahomes and all that stuff. But it's like Patrick Mahomes didn't start in his first season. Let's be clearly honest. Like he was a backup un- before he, you know, took the helm of the Chiefs. You could do the same thing to Justin Fields. You have veteran quarterbacks to teach them and get them up to speed in a year. And then maybe in year two, let him play a few games. Let him be the starter. Because think about it. Nick Foles has gone to the Super Bowl and won it. All right. Mm-hmm. He t- he's been to different postseasons. He can literally teach Fields all he really needs to know to get him up to that point. Andy Dolan, I guess a good 
regular season quarterback can get you to a wild card game. He can he can give you that, John. He can't get he can't he guarantee you a win. Sounds of fourteen picks. That's what he can give you. He can't guarantee you a win on wild card weekend, but he can get you there. Let's be clear with that. He can get you there. He can't win. Wait, it. How would he get you there in the land of England? He'll he'll probably take you what nine and seven and get you to the wild card weekend and lose in an ugly fashion. And you'll be on rinse and repeat with him on that. But Nick Foles, on the other hand, he'll, he'll do a deep run in the playoffs. He'll, you know, he can take you to the promised land if you put him in the right situation. Though, you know, that was a luck of his season. You know, taking for Carson Wentz and going to the Super Bowl like that. But you have a, like you said, you have quarterbacks that can teach Justin Fields and like any like any rookie quarterback that has that type of talent. I would be fine, you know, sitting out one year learning from great players like that, and then, you know, taking the next season to do, let my magic go free. Because you can easily trade away those quarterbacks and get decent draft picks, like maybe a late second or an early third with that and really give, you know, your rookie quarterback with some key fundamentals. But, you know, I will go to Isaiah. But I guess before I go to Isaiah, I'll read some comments. Kiersey Wilson says, you know, maybe Fields will learn to be, you know, as a starter, you know, get some good experience here, let him run the rest of the course of the season. Uh, another good one that she has is what will Callan think of this? That is, you know, if Callan's on tonight's show or somewhere in the comments, definitely would love his opinion on what the Bears should be doing and all that stuff. But, you know, Isaiah, do you have anything that you want to close out to this, you know, topic on the Chicago Bears? I just feel like Justin Fields and Bears fans are just in a lose-lose situation because you you don't put him in, then, you know, Bear fans would want to see him because they're tired of seeing, you know, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles just make their offense completely stagnant. And they want, like, to see the shiny new toy. That's why, you know, the 49ers, as a 49er fan, you know, we have to balance that. You know, we want to see – you know, Trey Lance out there on the field, but it's like, you know, you want to see him out there on the field because you want to see what he can do and because he's different. Um, and also, but the thing is, is that you want him to be there for 15 to 20 years. So it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of in a lose-lose situation. Um, and also, you know, if like, let's say you put Justin Fields in there, right? Let's say you put him in there and he doesn't look great or he doesn't look good at all then everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, the Bears just messed up their pick, and it's a bust. So I just feel like Justin Fields is in a lose-lose situation uh, with the Chicago Bears. Um, if I'm the Bears, I would not start him just because I think, like, right now you're not going to go anywhere this season. You might as well just focus on his development and, you know, just ride it out, tank the season with Nick Foles and get him some better pieces around him and then start him. Um, besides, like, before starting him now, because I just think – if you start him now, like I said earlier, you know, if it, if it doesn't go right, you know, it's going to be the same thing like Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen came into a terrible team. I'm not saying Josh Rosen would have been a great quarterback, but Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold came into a great team or to a not a not so great team. And what happened? They looked terrible. Zach Wilson looked terrible. Everybody in New York was saying that he might be a bust after just three games. And everybody was calling Sam Darnold a bust. And now he moves on to Carolina and he's looking not so bad. So, you know, they're just in a lose-lose situation, and regardless of what you do, you just can't win in this situation if you're the Bears or if you're Justin Fields. Yeah, I agree with you on that. There's, you can't really do too much, but at the same time, 
you can you do have some leverage in a few trades, I would say, at that. But you know, John, do you want to add anything before we move on? <laughs> I don't understand how this you would think it's a clown or a buffoon that's the head coach of the Bears. Like, how was he able to take it so seriously walking down the Bears locker room and the whole stadium? Oh, I'm doing a good job. I'm the I'm the guy at the Chicago Bears. It just it baffles me because I don't like mediocrity. Obviously, Isaiah handles mediocrity with his terrible sports takes. But it's just with the Chicago. Don't give me that look, man. You're the one that eats McDonald's and spends two hours there and ate over, over whatever coffee creamer. But it just it bothers me because I feel bad for Justin Fields because it's Chicago makes a lame excuse after this is, oh, we, we drafted this young quarterback. Let's give Matt Aggie and Ryan Pace some time to develop him. And if he doesn't work out, there's always going to be the narrative, oh, for some people, Justin Fields couldn't get it done. Justin Fields, top picks. But, you know, it's just it's ridiculous. Yep. Gentlemen, let's now move on to college football. I know we have the Alabama topic and Old Miss and uh, – we all know we all know the bottom line with Alabama, right? This is a stupid topic. Why this is not even a debate. I know that I don't know why Isaiah had it on the script. So I'm Isaiah. just gonna over it. I just gotta call him out for it. Alabama. Look, <laughs> old miss, you might as well be old because you're gonna be praying like an old man. <laughs> I would rather talk about Kentucky upsetting Florida. That, I would rather talk about that. But, Can we talk know, about we Mississippi State upsetting Texas AM instead? Oh my god. No, please, because it, when AM loses <laughs> and the Raiders lose, it's a phenomenal football weekend. And AM, please, you're making Christmas come early the past two weeks. I want to thank you so much to the head coach of the Aggies for making my weekend. Is there a go? But I'll say this, though, since I don't think we'll get into that Alabama topic. Lane Kiffin, you should be absolutely ashamed of yourself because you literally went on every single national media platform, the Paul Feinbaum show and everywhere else, and you were hyping this up like this was Cavs-Warriors NBA Finals Game 7. And also when you were giving that interview to Jamie Erdale from CBS Sports, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, you, she asked you a question about Nick Saban and you said something about, you know, hey, well, we'll see. Get your popcorn out, and you took your headset, threw it. It was like a mic drop, and guess what? You were down 35 to nothing at halftime, and what was even worse is you went on it. You had three drives, three drives in the first half. You went on it on fourth down each time. One was like fourth and one from the Alabama six, which I totally get it because you got to you know, you gotta punch Alabama first in the mouth. You got to set the tone early, so I, I get going for that one. Uh, the second one was like, I believe it was like fourth and three from the Alabama 26. That might have been questionable because, you know, you, you were already down seven nothing at that point. Could have kicked the field goal. But the decision that really baffled me, that really, really baffled me was you had the football at your own 20 yard line. You had the football at your own 20 yard line. You're down 14 nothing and you go for it on fourth and three and you get stuck. Why would you go for it? Like, I'm pretty sure the analytics would even tell you not to go for it. In your own 20-yard line, your own 20-yard line, you go for it on fourth and three, and and you let Alabama get the football back. And, of course, they get an easy touchdown because they get the football first and 10 at your own 20-yard line. It, it, it was absolutely stupid. 
Lane Kiffin let his big ego get in the way of him making great decisions to help Ole Miss win this game. The Ole Miss players, yeah, they, they played terrible. They played terrible in this game. But the reason why Ole Miss lost was because Lane Kiffin and his hard head. That is why Ole Miss lost this football game. Because of all the stupid coaching decisions this man made, I was literally screaming on my TV at my TV when they were going for it on like fourth and three from their own 18. I was like, what are you doing, man? It's fourth and three. You're playing Alabama. Fourth and three from your own 18. Not Alabama's 18. Your own 18. And you decide to go for it. You're the dumbest coach in the history of college football. That's why you got fired by the Raiders after two seasons. That's why you got fired on the tarmac by USC. It was an absolute ridiculous joke of a game. And Lane Kiffin, this is your fault. This is your fault you lose. It wasn't your play. It was your fault that you lost this football game. It's old Miss. I mean, it's really not what I was supposed to say. It's old Miss. Like, I didn't, it would be like talking about the Mexico State Aggies. I mean, both are, are their football teams. We'll give them that. But um, it's old Miss. I mean, what is old Miss known for? The, I, I, the football team, to be honest. Yeah, like you said, John, it's old Miss. There's nothing too flashy. They're not contenders every year. They're like the highest you could say they'll ever reach is middle of the pack. <laughs> that's like, that's us being very a, generous, though. It's being generous, but at the same time, why was this even a topic for today? Do I don't take, know. It's like picking Alabama against one of the worst things in college football. Oh, I, I wonder what's going to happen. It was a like, topic because I had to get game. this out, that rant that I just went on. <laughs> well, all I heard was those uh, – uh, all I heard was uh, Charlie Brown heard about his parents. Well, 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 well. That's what your take sound like about that. And it's like, come on, dude. I get – we love talking football, but come on. But I think the, the second topic is a little bit more interesting. It's Auburn rallies back against LSU and, and you know – Beats LSU first time since 99 in Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. But the real question is, Coach O, is he going to get fired from LSU at any point in time? It's like you kind of choked, you know, after you won the national title. LSU hasn't really been there. Like they have fallen off this, this train, not back in playoff contention. And now you're looking like, you know, going another six and six season probably. It's like, do you fire him or do you just, you know – See what he can master together and make another playoff push. Like LSU's title appearances since, I guess you could say, like Nick Saban in like the early 2010s, they've just been up and down like a roller coaster. There's no consistency like, you know, an Alabama, an Ohio State, even a Georgia, if you want to throw them in the mix, for being like playoff contention teams. It's like LSU is just on this weird roller coaster. Do you get rid of Coach O? Or do you see what happens in the next few years? Like, I'll go to you, John. Like, what do you think is the best course of action for the LSU Tigers? I think it, very soon they need to start looking for a new head coach. Practice. You didn't even recruit Joe Burrow. He, he went, You didn't even look at Joe Burrow. The first he went to, I believe, uh, forgot where it was before Ohio State. So he went to one or two club football teams before you had the chance for him to transfer to your college. So somehow Joe Burrow – was average or how and he sticked to there for to be the backup. We'll talk about Ed Orgeron winning a national championship. So at that point, you look at he probably would have been fired a season and a half ago, if not even before. You didn't land your pro, you're not winning a national championship. So the credit could be 
you say, oh, the, a ton of players that give him a season, see what he can do. But this guy's an absolute joke. I mean, my goodness, man. Like, he, you can't, like, I understand they sound to improve the program. We also have to recruit. Who are you recruiting at the quarterback position? LSU, Jamar Carroll was terrible in the NFL, but at least he's known for his arm talent in college. You got Trevor Lawrence, or sorry, um, Joe Burrow, and then you're LSU had previous quarterbacks. So I just, you have to let them, you have to look at other directions. If you're HR, unfortunately at this time, we have to terminate your employment due to other football circumstances, which really means, sorry, you suck. You're gone. Bye-bye. John, turn in that badge and gun. Turn in that badge and gun. First, first we had to charge you for the badge and gun, and then you had to turn it back in. <laughs> yep. Isaiah, what about you? The fate of Coach O. Does he stay as a Tiger, or does he go somewhere else? He packs his bags and go to another school that needs a magical turnaround because his name is Coach Orgeron, and he's coached the Heisman Trophy winner and a national championship LSU Tiger team. Is that name still good enough, or is his career done? Coach O will be fired by sometime in November. He will not even make it to December as the head coach of the LSU Tigers. If you look at this game in general, this was, in my opinion, an absolutely unforgivable loss for Coach O. Because when you look at what happened to Auburn coming into this that week of the game, Brian Harson and his Auburn Tigers were going through a lot of turmoil. They had fired, I believe, three coaches, their wide receivers coach, their tight ends coach, and an offensive analyst. And, you know, they were Bo Nix the game before against Georgia State. Not Georgia Tech, Trevor, or even Georgia Bulldogs. But we're talking about Georgia State. Auburn narrowly beat Georgia State. They were about to lose to Georgia State before T.J. Finley rescued them uh, after Bo Nix had gotten benched. So there was, like, turmoil in the quarterback room. We didn't know who was going to start. There was turmoil in the coaching staff. There was just a ton of turmoil all around. And there were even a rumor that Brian Harson, the first-year head coach of Auburn, might go one and done at Auburn with how much chaos was going on going into that game. And you – let them, a team that had not won in Tiger Stadium since 1998, which was before I was even born. The game happened before I was even alive on this earth. You let them go in to Tiger Stadium and just punch you around. I mean, this was just absolutely unforgivable. It was terrible. Um, and, you know, I think Coach O should have been fired after this game because it this – this is just proof. This past 17 games that he's coached without Joe Burrow, it's just proof that he's a fraud. He's an overrated coach who is just a product of Joe Burrow and Joe Brady. Without those guys, he's he's nothing. He's just a mediocre head coach. And LSU is like Ohio State. They're like, you know, Alabama. They're like Georgia and one of these top brand name programs in college football. They don't accept mediocrity. A, a, an 8 and 4 season pretty much means you had a losing record at that program. That's why USC fired Clay Helton because it wasn't because Clay Helton didn't win, have winning seasons. He did have winning seasons, but he just went mediocre each and every season. They wanted to go to the playoffs every single year. That's the same thing with LSU. I expect Coach O to be gone um, by the time 
by the third week of November because when you look at their next four games, I think this game against Auburn was honestly the best chance that they had at winning a football game because Auburn was, like I said, in a bunch of chaos. They were in a bunch of turmoil. Now you got to face, you got to travel to Lexington, Kentucky to battle number 16 Kentucky, who's 5-0, and and they just completely beat Florida down on Saturday night. They upset them, so good luck with that. Then after that, they play, I believe they play Florida, but it's in Death Valley. And, you know, Florida's going to want revenge after what happened last year in the swamp. And then the, after that, they play Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And they know what Coach O said after that uh, Alabama-LSU game from a couple of years ago when Coach O muttered, F you, roll tide, and stuff like that. They know that. Nick Saban, I would not be shocked if he put up 70 on LSU and Coach O. I would not be shocked if Coach O gets fired after after in three weeks. I think he's gone. His days are numbered. I Heck, I would not even be shocked if he gets fired after the Kentucky game because that's the rumor floating around right now that uh, he is going to get fired against Kentucky if they lose that football game. But his days are numbered. He might as well start cleaning his office. He's going to be gone. It's just a matter, matter of when, not if. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you guys on it. It's like, his current state is really hard to say. Like, yes, he could, you know, finish the season strong and try to win out and all that stuff. And what they have like three losses right about now. So if they go like nine and three, you can't fire a coach that goes nine and three in reality. Cause like you look at other programs like in Iowa, like some years they go nine and three and like, are you going to fire him? Like his goal is to get to the Big Ten championship game and get to the Rose Bowl. Obviously, getting to the college football playoffs is a lot of these big schools, you know, dream but then it's like you got to face the mountaintops of your respective division so like in the big 12 you got to face oklahoma to get to the promised land in the college football playoffs in the big 10 you got to get past ohio state in the sec you got to get past alabama you can't get past these you know three schools you're not in the college football playoffs that's the bottom line so like lsu's has to get over that hill and then once you're over past that hill now you actually have to face the Oklahoma, the Ohio State, maybe a Pac-12 school that actually gets their act together. Cough, cough, Oregon, you had one job. But let's continue. <laughs> you have the schools that are just pure national championship caliber teams that are just loaded year in and year out. Maybe they have an off year where they have two losses, but they never dip below three in most given years. And LSU in this past two is looking at like a four-loss school. I'm not hinting at USC and Clay Helton and them going eight and four and only going to like almost one New Year's six. There's an issue there. That coach should have been fired. Orgeron has, I wouldn't say a little bit more leeway, but at the same time for LSU, obviously it's college football playoffs, winning the SEC and getting a national title if possible. But your bottom line, you got to get a New Year's six. You're LSU for crying out loud. It's a no brainer. You're a big school, big brand name, big stadium, and you don't reach a New Year's Six. Come on, bottom line now, guys, bottom line. Isaiah, you got something to add on to it. And, fellas, let's not forget what I said earlier when we were talking about the Urban Meyer scandal, that there is a lot of stuff surrounding LSU regarding, like, sexual harassment and all that stuff. And when you're winning, you could sweep that under a rug. But when you're losing, all of that is coming back, coming to the – coming to rise and you know that I think that plus the losing is going to ultimately be coach O's undoing at LSU 
Plus, plus he doesn't even take responsibility. If you look at his press conferences, he was asked uh, last week after the Auburn loss and one of the other losses that they had, uh, he was like, they were asking him, like, you know, what happened and stuff like that. He literally threw his coordinators under the bus. He was like, yeah, you know, we, we can't get, we can't, you know, we can't get offensive play calls in late and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, our quarterback's coach didn't have our quarterback ready and stuff like that. I literally have never heard of a head coach throw his assistant coaches under the bus. I've never heard that before in my life. So that's why I was so shocked when Coach O said what he did out of his mouth after that Auburn game. Like, really? You're going to throw your coordinators under the bus? You're going to blame this guy? You're going to blame the strength coach? You're going to blame the running backs coach for not teaching the running backs how to block? Like, really, sir? Like, you're the head coach of Louisiana State University, and you have the audacity to do that. It's just a shame, man, and I, I expect him to be gone before Thanksgiving. And Ishmael says, Orgeron's a fraud. He rode the weight of, of Burrow, and he's uh, gone. Here's the thing, and to add to Isaiah's point, first of all, that's what a child does. You blame everybody but yourself. Let's say you start winning some big golf buggies, you start winning some games. Who does he think is going to take more of that credit? Is it the quarterback coach? Is it the coordinator? No, it's going to be the head coach and the drawn that that's the problem. You're obviously not winning, but if you did, which they're not, he's, he's screwed. He's a fraud that has been. Then who's going to get the credit? Who's going to give themselves credit is going to be at Orgeron. So that's where you're kind of like, if that's how he is as a head coach, fire him out. Goodbye, Ed Orgeron. You rode the Joe Burrow wave. I mean, clearly you clearly can't recruit or do anything. You didn't even recruit Joe Burrow. So congrats, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. That's a good way to end to tonight's topic in college football. But let's go to our pigskin pickums, ladies and gentlemen. We got some – oh. <laughs> we got some pigskin pickums, and yes, or drawn to Texas. <laughs> John, I would let you, you know, take that if you want to put, you know, two it was minutes on a it. Long, stressful day, and to put this hot garbage out there. I mean, just like your hair, not kidding. But if, um, no, 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 I would disown Texas if they did that. All right, let's go to our pigskin pickums tonight, gentlemen. We got some fantastic games. I'll list them out, and then we'll just rattle them off as we go. So our pigskin pickums in college football, we have number four, Penn State, at number three, Iowa. Next up, we have Red River Rivalry Showdown. Oklahoma, who is number six versus 21, Texas. In the NFL, we have Rams Seahawks for Thursday night football. And then we finish our pigskin pickums. For Bills and Chiefs. Gentlemen, let's go to our college football. Who do you have? Penn State or Iowa? John, I'll go to you. Penn State. Penn State, why? I don't know college football, so I'm just picking it to be honest. I don't All follow right. that well, so <laughs> if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't follow college football. All righty. Isaiah, who do you pick? Penn State or Iowa? Give me the Hawkeyes because – Iowa has a really tough home environment. Penn State, notoriously, whenever they are highly ranked, they go into a tough road crowd. They always, always struggle. Look what happened two years ago when they played Minnesota in Minnesota. They lost that game, I believe, by like 14 points, and they were favored in that game. So they struggle with 
tough road crowds. So give me Iowa. Iowa's number three, Penn State's number four. It's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, but I think Iowa takes this one. I think they'll, they'll take it, like, by a game-winning field goal. Watch, watch I'm gonna, Iowa lose this game because of what Isaiah said. Yeah, I could also see that as well. But looking at the, the matchup, seeing Penn State against, like, I guess their last-ranked opponent, like I think it was, like, Wisconsin before they fell off. Their offense struggled, but obviously Penn State's one of those teams as as the season progresses, their offense slowly gets on a roll and that type of thing. But their defense makes those key crucial stops and turnovers when they need it the most to keep that offense in that game. But it's at Iowa. They wave to the children. And we all know what happens when, you know, children are involved in college football. Cough, cough, Ohio State with Purdue. I'm just saying. I'm going to go with Iowa on this one. I think Iowa's going to hold on, and they're just going to try to ride their wave to the Big Ten championship game and try to give themselves their first ever college football playoff appearance since Ohio State's having an up, I wouldn't say up and down season, but it's like trying to get their quarterback really acclimated to being in the Big Ten and driving the Cadillac of the Ohio State back Buckeyes, you want to say. But let's move on to our next one, ladies and gentlemen. We have Red River. We have Oklahoma and Texas. I know, John, I know before I go to you, I know you're going to have like a good spiel on it. I'll go to Isaiah because you might have a shorter, shorter one. <laughs> hmm. Horns up, baby. That's you're going, going horns up. Don't, don't. You're the last one. You're going for UT. You're going to curse him in the organization and get Steve fired after the season because of your terrible takes and jinx in my football teams. Yeah. Horns so up, horns because up. All right. And just yeah. like that, horns up from Isaiah Leung. Oklahoma uh, has been extremely lucky this entire season. Their defense is atrocious. Texas offensively, I think, well, I think offensively, both these two teams are kind of the same in terms of offense. But I think it's going to come down to the defense and who's going to be able to get that those couple stops that are going to be key in the game, late in the game. And I trust Texas's defense more than I do Oklahoma because right now Oklahoma's defense, dude, they gave up 35 points to Tulane. They gave up a bunch of points to Kansas State late in the game. They don't know how to close games. Their defense is not that good. I'm surprised that nobody has upset them yet. And I think that Texas will finally make Oklahoma fall on Saturday afternoon. John, I'll go to you. I know this is an easy answer, but are you going to stay loyal? That's the question. Screw you. Screw a and Screw Texas Tech. Obviously, I'm going with the long roots here. Now, the question is, despite what we have the running game, the receivers is the quarterback has to be more accurate. He wasn't that great in this past game, and you can have – and this is the kind of running game that we haven't seen in Texas since, to be honest – Vince Young and Jamal Charles, and that's been a long, long time. But you're going to have to have your quarterback make those couple of throws here and there. Do you don't have what you happened last year with Sam Unger at Texas where you go to third or four or five overtimes? This game cannot afford to go into overtime because if you're going to have your running back get tired, he's going to get tired, he's going to make mistakes, he's going to actually let go of the football. And so you're going to have to make sure your quarterback – it's going to be a battle between the two quarterbacks in terms of making those key second and third down plays in the fourth quarter because 
while B.J. Robinson is going to get you 200 yards, probably you're going to have to have your quarterback throw the ball down the field. He can't have a single turnover. This is a big rivalry in college football. At least he gets a ton of attention. There is no way on the football's green earth I would ever pick OU. Screw, screw Texas Tech and screw the A&M Wow. John. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Did, hook don't you I'm going oh, hook them horns. I'm, go, I'm hooking horns. But <laughs> let, let me give you the story: Texas and Red River in the last, you know, you can say five seasons. They have gone up against Heisman Trophy winners and have put up. I wouldn't say you can say stellar numbers because it's a high-scoring football game, and you have it come down to one season. Dicker, the kicker, with. You know, Gus Johnson, come on now. I hope you know, Gus is narrating this game because that's what Red River is at this point. It's Gus, Texas, OU, showdown in the Cotton Bowl. It can't get better than this. And OU, not OU, but Texas will pull out this game. Yeah. Hook them on. Let's go. It would be a football crime if Gus Johnson wasn't announcing this game. Like, And this guy is one of the reasons why I fell in love with the NFL because the first – First football games I watched was the Broncos Stokely's game winning touchdown. And guess who was calling the game? Gus Johnson. So it would be a football crime and he would need to be charged the penalties if he does not call this game. I mean, this guy is one of the best in called football in terms of announcing a game winning touchdown. And so of course I'm gonna pick OU, but uh or Texas OU. Let me uh find uh this here here's the toilet. Closer down the toilet. I hope OU loses by a lot because I have a pure football hate for them. That wagon's going to be losing a wheel because the Texan ox is probably going to pull it way too fast. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trevor, do you need your <laughs> I had to put that putt out there. You would think this is the post show call with the winner. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta got have a little fun in, in there, John. Oh, All yeah. right, now what? What else? Something to add? Oh no, I just want to say screw you again. <laughs> All right. All right, now we got Rams Seahawks. Isaiah, who you got? You got the Sea Chickens or you got the Mighty Rams? Give me Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. Oh, wait. What game? <laughs> 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 the mighty Rams and the Sea Chickens. How you get the 49ers? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. My Niners just played the right. Our is going to Callen. Bruh. Bruh. I see that I'm McDonald's so coffee is getting to you now. My, my forty nine. Look what you did! My 49ers just played the Seattle Sea Chickens on Sunday. I still have that in my brain. Wait, but give, how did that go? I will never pick the Seattle Seahawks anytime. Any opponent that they play, I'm always picking the opponent. Give me the Rams in this game. Seattle's defense is trash. Uh, their defense is rubbish. Matthew Stafford's going to have a field day in this game against that defense. And Sean McVay and the Rams, they always have success in Seattle for some reason. I don't know why against the Seattle Seahawks. And Russell Wilson always struggles against Aaron Donald and that Rams defense. So give me the Los Angeles Rams. 
John, who you got? I'm picking the Denver Broncos. I'm just kidding. Teach me to That's so. I'm obviously picking the Rams here. I mean, my goodness, man. If Russell, as much as I love what Russell Wilson stands for, do you, when you take that much money on your contract against the cap, you can't afford to pay nobody. Jamal Adams can only do so much. And I'm obviously picking the Rams, Cooper Cup. You got your receivers, tight ends. Michelle, who may not get a lot of cares in this game or game before, but do you see that block he had for Matthew Stafford a couple of weeks ago? That's the type of player the Rams are getting. I have to beat the Rams. Quarterback play, obviously both are really great at the deep ball, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the Rams, and that's it, man. I don't, I just don't know how the uh, – uh, not Seattle. How, I don't know how the Jets are going to win this game last year, but you have to show that to you. You know, y'all picking teams outside this game, so might as well just throw in the Cardinals at this point, you know. Let's go with the Cardinals. <laughs> no, but for my pick, you know, I'm going to go with the Rams. Matthew Stafford has been proving me wrong this season, and I'm glad because the man really needs some some love and some good, you know, players, and he's really, you know, doing what he has to do, and the Rams have given him that opportunity. I know I've been harsh on him in the past saying, he was an average quarterback and all that stuff, and the Lions really didn't give him anything. But now my man is, you know, only has one loss, and he's doing fine. I'll eat those words until he goes on a losing streak, and then I'll be like, hi, see, I told you, beginner's luck. But I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm going to go with the Rams on this one. Now for a classic showdown that we have, ladies and gentlemen, we have Bills and Chiefs. Mr. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. You could say it's a you know AFC championship showdown again, if you want to say, but it's not to that high of the stakes. But I know it's the regular season. Trying to figure out who to pick. I'll just knock out my pick. I'm going to trust in Patrick Mahomes to somehow make a fourth quarter last second drive to win this football game because that's how this game is going to go. John, who do you who do you got on this one? I'm gonna go full Higgins and pick the Bills to only win by no more than two points because when you play the Chiefs, when you play Patrick Mahomes, you're not gonna win by 10 to 15 plus points. And if you're up by 10 to 15 plus points, like I said, Trevor, a game-winning drive, Patrick Mahomes seems to always come up with that, except for against the Chargers. So I'll give you that. But I'm picking the Bills in this game, though. I just I think it's time for the Bills, not just in the playoffs, but also in the regular season, time to prove that. The Chiefs can be beat if the Chargers can do it, if another team can do it, and the Chargers did it at Arrowhead Stadium at home. So they prove the Chiefs are beatable. And so that's just where I think I trust Javius White and how they uh, say expect a certain team. We won't say who that team is, but I'm going to have to pick the Buffalo Bills in this game. But it's going to be no more than one and a half, two points. Isaiah, who you got? Who you feeling? I'm picking the Buffalo Bills led by Josh Allen because you guys know that I don't trust that Chiefs defense. I've never have trusted that Chiefs defense. And, you know, they have gotten exposed multiple times this season. I mean, dude, they gave up 35 points to Jalen Hurts last weekend. 
when the Chiefs played the Philadelphia Eagles. So that defense is not that good at all. I don't know why. Like, I know they went out and got Josh Gordon. But, yeah, you have so many offensive weapons. What are you going to do to fix that defense? Your offense doesn't need any more improvement. It's that defense that needs improvement. And, you know, I don't know why they keep hunting for offensive reinforcements. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I think Josh Allen is going to have a field day against that Chiefs defense. And, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes, I could see him struggling in this game because let's face it, guys, like this might be an unpopular opinion, but Patrick Mahomes, he hasn't really been Patrick Mahomes this season. He struggled a little bit this season. And, you know, I think I read a tweet somewhere on from a guy from CBS that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is finally not getting away with all those you know, 50-50 balls that he just lobs up and he, the wide receivers, his wide receivers and his tight ends, they luckily come up with, but it's not a great throw. You know, he's finally getting exposed for not being that great passer that we all thought he was. Uh, so I'm going to go with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in this football game. All right, gentlemen, good picks in our picks and pick them, ladies and gentlemen. You know, comment later. After the you know NFL and college football weekend is concluded, see if we were right in some of our picks and how bad we were off by. So let us know in the comments in a few days. John, I see you had another let, thing you want to add. Let me add this though, and I can't believe I'm doing this. It makes me sick to my stomach. Despite Patrick Mahomes being a turnover machine, he has 14 touchdowns on the year. Alright. He's average, he has eight touchdowns to three picks in the last two games. So I get the in one game looking at the stats, but overall he's still being Patrick Mahomes. So let's not pretend that he's he may not have one or two game sample, but overall we look at his numbers, he's he's still producing. So let's not freak out and say, oh Mahomes has been exposed. Mahomes is still most and unfortunately he puts up on the stake. All right, gentlemen, let's now move into our power five segment and bring this podcast to a close so tonight's power five segment is brought to you by mrs butterworths <laughs> <laughs> May you melt away all their forgetting of Isaiah's terrible, terrible sports takes. Uh, I, I feel like we should just start doing that. It's like Power 5 segments brought to you by so-and-so. <laughs> just, yeah. just start making that a new thing for it. We'll, 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 try it, we'll try it out maybe next week and see if that works out. You know, Just pick a random sponsor and just throw it in. But, you know, tonight's Power 5, ladies and gentlemen, is – the top five Halloween activities. So, like, throughout the month of October, there's many different activities that you can do, you know, in the Halloween spirit and all that fun stuff. So I go to Isaiah to kick us off tonight. For your Power Five, what is your top five Halloween activities? You know, I've been looking so forward to this that, you know, I've been writing a bunch of Halloween activities down that I either have done or want to try. Um, since, you know, it's Halloween season, right? Because it's October. So I'll give a couple of honorable mentions before I give my my top five. Um, you know, one honorable mention has got to be 
dressing up in costumes because it doesn't matter if you are a kid. It doesn't matter if you are a teenager. It doesn't matter if you're a young adult or if you're just an adult in general. Anybody can wear costumes on Halloween. Like you can throw it back to your inner kid and dress up in a costume, whatever you want, and just have fun on Halloween. So dressing up in costumes are definitely, you know, my one of my um, honorable mentions. Uh, the other honorable mention that, you know, I haven't done this before, but I really want to try it because it looks so much fun, is um, something called pumpkin hockey. Pumpkin hockey. And what, what it's hockey, but the thing is, is that instead of shooting the puck into the net, you shoot it into a carved pumpkin that's what you do uh i guess people play this like during halloween and i i've seen some videos of it and it just looks like super fun so maybe like next time you know callan can uh when i go down to san diego if i do for halloween maybe uh callan if he's not working and he's watching this program can take me to uh shoot do some pumpkin hockey but that's my honorable mention uh let's start with the power five number five on this list trick or treat you know come on halloween trick or treat they go together and you know if you don't have trick or treat anywhere in your top five then yeah yeah then i don't know man uh but trick or treat definitely man um you know funny story guys is that i actually my parents you know were not that big into halloween so i actually have only been trick or treating three times out of the 22 years of my life so uh it's been only a short time of on trick or treat treating in my life um and i hope i'm hoping to do it this year but i don't know because you know with covid and stuff like that it might mess everything up the best trick-or-treating that i've done is me and my friend steven wang and also anthony rebejo shout out to those guys we actually went to all the restaurants nearby and the grocery stores mcdonald's shack in the box kfc and we went there to trick-or-treat and we actually got some free food believe it or not like chick kfc gave us each a bucket of fried chicken so that was lit so that was a yeah that was awesome. so, hey if you guys i i would re really recommend you guys to try it because hey what are, what are they gonna do kick you out that's like the only thing they can do uh if they don't you know have anything for you uh num that's number five number four on my list it's gotta be i would say it's gotta be uh hunting for pumpkin at a pumpkin patch you know i did this when i was a little kid and it seemed like it was so much fun. Plus, you know, Trevor and John, I think you guys, you guys have been to a pumpkin patch before. They've got, you know, the tractor. You got like a hay, you have a hay ride. You can ride the tractor. Um, that's, you know, that's always fun for Halloween. So that's number four. Um, number three on my list, you know, it's got to be the MI6 Sports Network's Halloween Spooktacular, which we're going to have this year. We did that last year when we all dressed up in costumes and talked sports and also talked about um, talked about Halloween stories and stuff like that. Hopefully we can do that with the folks at Coast to Coast. But I remember, you know, Trevor dressed up as like an Ohio State. Oh, no, he dressed up as a captain, like Captain Kirk, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um <laughs> I know John was gonna give me that reaction when I said that. Uh, I know, like Stephen dressed up I, as like a hockey player with like a, a fake knife and stuff like that. Um, and also, 
you know, I dressed up as uh, I dressed up as Nick Mullins. I dressed up as Nick Mullins, and then I changed into like swaggy Santa. I don't know, Trevor, you remember that? Like that costume I dressed up in the end. But that was so much fun. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can do that again this year, which we will. Hey, we will do that again this year. I guarantee you. But uh, we don't know the date yet, so make sure you guys check back in with us for a date on that. Um, you know, number what was I on number three or number two? It depends. I don't know. I, 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 I think I was at like number three. I, I totally I lost that, count. I, I, think, I think that was three. That was three. Okay. I got this music blasting in my ear and I can barely hear myself. Um, number two on my list. It's got to be bobbing for apples. I've always wanted to try it. I've seen it in so much books and television shows and stuff like that. When like when they show like Halloween specials, and I've always like thought in my head like, damn, that would be so much fun just to try that. I've never tried it before. Hopefully, maybe this year I can try it. Who knows? But that seems like it's so much fun. Um, and last but not least, Great America's haunted haunted house special. I, I don't know what exactly it's called, but it's like you go to that amusement park. You got all the Halloween stuff and you go there and try to they, they try to scare you with ghosts and um, you know a lot of crazy stuff that they have there and I, I'm hoping to go this year we'll see if my schedule will let me because of work but that's always like super fun and it's like super thrilling and scary at the same time but uh, Callan I just wanted to let you know my man the word scary is not in my dictionary oh boy Wait, hold up. You're scary. You're the one that when you were alone at your house before your parents were gone, you literally put up chairs in front of the door so robbers wouldn't come in. Hey, I was trying I was trying to pretend that I was in the home alone movie, you know, I was trying to try out all those tricks and stuff like that. Dude. <laughs> and you're a twenty three year old grown man. Throwing it back to my inner kid, John. I do all the time, but I don't do stuff like that, though. I just wear Homer Simpson pajama pants and watch cartoons on Saturday morning and have a cold one, which is one of these, obviously. That's the only cold one I'll have on Saturday. John, I'll go to you. Do you have a Power 5 list of Halloween activities that you like to do or things that, you know, should – most people do around this time of, of year. You know, I may try the thing I say it did, though. I think that, like, you've got a free bucket of fried chicken. I mean, talk about, I mean, my goodness. And there's, and Houston, though, they got some good Mexican food here. So maybe I go to a Mexican restaurant and with, uh, maybe I meet some friends and then we go try to get some free Mexican food. Obviously, afterwards, you have to go straight to the park. But I mean, for me, I, I like to go find whatever candy I want in the store. Here for uh, I don't think it's three musketeers. I I don't uh, maybe I'm kind of an old man for thinking this one. I don't get the hate on them guys. I I really don't understand people's hate on that. And this one y'all can maybe give us some flack for this one though. I'll just do like candy that for my power five. I I don't get it. Candy corn I think is hated on too much. Again, candy corn maybe could be like Kirk Cousins in the NFL. Does he get a little too much hate? I don't know. But I just like that, Three Musketeers, and maybe just have a beer, monster, just hang out and watch and I get to watch uh, Charlie Brown and some cartoons. I don't really do that trick-or-treating more because I'm a grown man that live on my own, who's dead with my parents. But I'll have to try the, the thing I say I did with 
nutrient reference because that's actually kind of interesting to how you got some free food. Man. That's that's pretty cool. All right, John, go I would mm -hmm. recommend you to go trick or treating at a brisket restaurant. Who knows? Maybe they give you a slab of brisket for free. Who knows? I'll be honest. I really, I, I know this sounds. I really don't like barbecue that much. John. I know I'm, I'm from Texas. I know. John, how could it's you? Like in the, it's in the Texas commandments. I just, I, I, I really don't like barbecue. Yeah, and you say that's pumpkin hockey. That looks like pumpkin golf, my friend. Yeah, that's, that's a golf club. That's a golf club, dude. You just had two Hagen's moments tonight. Oh man! Hey, you could play hockey on that thing, though. You could shoot a club right, in there. But that wasn't hockey when you showed us. Yeah, it looked like golf. But my costume, though, it would either have to be Grogu, a piece of toast, SpongeBob, or Patrick for a costume. All righty, I'll move on to my, you know, Power Five because we're getting close to almost a ninety-minute episode. So I'll run through mine relatively quickly. So I was when I was making this list, I'm like thinking. What is the most Halloween-y activities you can do? So starting off, if you don't put this on your list anywhere on the Power 5, there's something wrong. Number five, the haunted house. They're literally everywhere, and there's a great experience no matter where you go. You get some good scares, and it varies from place to place where you go. So always a fun experience. I'm not a fan of those because I, I just, just don't like the dark as much and then just – being close quarters, I just I'm just not a fan of that. Number four on this list is the corn maze, getting lost and trying to figure out what's the difference between left and right. We all know that experience and how hard and confusing corn mazes are because everything looks the same and you don't know which direction is what. So you get lost in it for like a few hours and you realize, yeah, I have no idea where I'm going. Number three, it's when the amusement parks go with the Halloween theme, so like the entire convert the entire amusement park to a Halloween festivities and all that fun stuff. Definitely great experience there. Number two is apple picking. Who wouldn't want to go in the fall and picking some nice apples so you can make I apple apples. Balls. <laughs> I see what you did I'm there. I'm sorry. Jack. I had to do what you did because it's – Yeah, I know like, you did. I, I don't live with my dad. I'm, I'm sorry. Y'all can uh, just do guys can just fire me from MS6 because that was bad. I'm sorry. Not no, it's it, it's our dad jokes, John. It's our dad jokes. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, apple picking is my number two, and then my number one is pumpkin carving. It's like it's Halloween. You gotta carve some pumpkins, and people do some really really fantastic jobs when they carve pumpkins. And that's why I'm like saying, when it's Halloween, you gotta at least carve pumpkins around this time of year. It's a no brainer. And that is my power five. But, but gentlemen. It's super hard. Oh, it is hard. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. But that's why, like, if you have the you know ability to do it, it's always awesome if you can. But now, gentlemen, let's move on to our final thoughts and bring this episode to a close, so we don't cross over ninety minutes, but we'll somehow do it. John, I'll go to you. You know, final thoughts for tonight's program. Number one. Screw you. Screw him. Screw Texas Tech. Despite all the football hate, though, I'm glad to, to be on. And I, it's been driving me crazy. I can't say anything yet. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, pretty busy. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Isaiah, final thoughts for tonight's program. Well, my 
first final thoughts is I first of all want to thank the fans for tuning in. You know, I want to thank uh, Alex Anderson. Uh, Alex, welcome to the MI6 Sports Network. Thank you so much for, you know, tuning in. I know he messaged me, um, I think it was on Instagram, uh, how much he loves our program. So thank you so much for tuning in, my man. Really appreciate you. Um, you know, continue to tune into our shows, man. And, uh, you know, uh, just thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Shardo Gupta, uh, Ishmael Lancaster, Christy Wilson. Uh, thank you guys all so, so much for tuning in. Also for the love and the support. You guys are truly the best fan base on the planet. Um, final thoughts. Great show. Glad that I didn't get kicked out of McDonald's. Um, you know, You're still was, in there? Yeah, I'm still in there. Don't you hear the music playing in the background? Like, no, because I don't I, go to McDonald's for two hours. I don't even have time to with I, my schedule. I'm just hoping that our like show doesn't get taken down by Facebook or YouTube because of the background music that's been playing in don't the background. Don't mention YouTube and false copyright claims. Don't. I already <laughs> had to deal with too much of that. <laughs> but uh, great show, man. Um, you know, it was glad that I was able to do the entire program and not be kicked out of McDonald's and. Uh, last final thought. Pa Padres need to hire Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy needs to be the next manager of the San Diego Padres. And that will do it. Unless, John, I see you want to say something before I close Who out the program. Who didn't even talk baseball? Where in the heck did that come from? <laughs> hey, we, we, we're, we're a network that you know, it's all about all sports. So I just had to throw in the baseball talk so we could say well, that all we sports, not all baseball. sports are plays. <laughs> all right. With that, ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude tonight's program on OBS. Thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy your the rest of your Wednesday night and enjoy all the other programs that we have coming on this week. Take care and see you all next time here on the MI6 Sports Network. Yeah. Three C's, my fiat. Yeah. Whoa, hey, whoa, say what? Three C's, my fiat. It's going down. Whoa, hey, Y'all know what time it is. Whoa, hey, we ain't playing with you. In the club, in the street. Whoa, hey,